sacrifice on this Veterans Day. Today is a day that we remember and thank God for those that are still alive. Uh, Memorial Days for those that have gone on um, into eternity, but this is a day where we recognize those who are among us still and thank God for them. And I want to want you to look at this verse here on the screen, and I kind of want to make this the theme this morning. Greater love has no one than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. And that's, that's the truth. And I want to kind of show you something in Luke 23, if you'd get there this morning. And I want to show you three things, if you're taking notes, that I thought about were really important. And we're going to tie this into what the ultimate sacrifice was, which was what our Lord and Savior did for us. We have, a, we have a physical freedom this morning um, that sometimes we can take for granted. You know, we're in this house this morning, and we're talking about the Bible, and we're uh, worshiping God, lifting our hands, we're praising, we're, we're in a, a free place and have a freedom to do that today because people before us said, I'm going to give my life so that down the road people can have that freedom. Being in this country sometimes, we can take for granted some things that other countries do not have. Being a missionary and being someone who's been in other parts of the country, I can tell you that there are many, many countries today that would love to be able to worship God without hindrance. They would love to be able to come into a service without worrying about police coming or being arrested. There's churches all around the world, especially in places like China and Russia and the countries in Middle East, where today there are believers just like us having church just like us, but they're having it underground. They're having it hidden, not because they're afraid or ashamed of the gospel, because they'll be killed and they want to continue to spread the gospel. And so today we're so blessed that prices were paid for that. But then we have a spiritual heritage, which is what Jesus left us. And I want to kind of correlate those two things this morning, if you'd let me do that. And I want you to write down three things that you would ask yourself. If you've been coming here very long, you know that my messages are, are most of the time pointed at us individually. It starts with me, and then it goes to you that we would ask ourselves, how's my walk? And we even had a message on Wednesday night, uh, as many of you may, may not know, this morning that last Sunday, and maybe again today, we, we've continued to break attendance records, which is awesome, and God's building the church and growing us. Um, but Wednesday night, I, I did what Jesus, I felt what Jesus would do after a great Sunday service. I preached a really hard, difficult message about discipleship. Because Jesus wants us to be disciples, not just Christians. Amen. He wants us to be soldiers, not just believers. And so today we, we follow this up on a day like Veterans Day and we ask ourselves some questions. I want you to write these three things down, then I'm going to go into them individually. Number one, are you committed to the cause? Are you committed to the cause? Okay? And we'll talk about what the cause is in a moment. Are you committed to the cause? Number two, are you committed to changing the future of somebody else's life? Are you committed to changing the future of somebody else's life? You're here this morning because somebody told you about Jesus. Amen? That's why you're here. Number three, are you willing to sacrifice and serve the Lord? So those are three areas that I want to I hit on. And we're going to read Luke chapter 23, if you'd give me an amen if you're there. Verse 26, I want to read several verses here. And this is Jesus going to the cross. And I want to show you some things that are here that are so powerful. And then I want to tell a true story this morning to kind of correlate it and work it all together. Verse 26, now as they led him away, they laid hold of a certain man, Simon 
a Cyrenian. You know, you could put yourself there this morning as Simon. I like to read the Bible and put myself in those places of those people. You know, he was chosen by God, by God and by these soldiers to carry Jesus' cross. You know, Simon's a perfect picture of what we're supposed to do this morning. We're supposed to carry our cross. How many know that's an individual thing? Every one of us has to bear, the Bible says, we talked about that Wednesday, bear his own cross. It says he was coming from the country, and on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. And a great multitude of the people followed him, and women who also mourned and lamented him. But Jesus turning to them said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For indeed the days are coming in which they will say, Blessed are the barren, wombs that never bore, and breasts which never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things in the green wood, what will be done in the dry? Now, right before I continue to read in 32, let me just break that down for five seconds here. This is Jesus prophesying of the future tribulation that's going to come on the earth. There's a time coming, church, whether you believe it or not, biblically, that has been prophesied for thousands of years, that is called the Great Tribulation. It will happen, I believe, scripturally after Jesus Christ calls home the church, which I believe is all of us, that we're going to be ready and waiting and watching. Amen. A trumpet is going to sound, and we're going to go into be in the air with the Lord. We're going to go to heaven, and then on that moment, in that moment, a great tribulation is going to come on the earth. I'm not preaching on that this morning, but I'm letting you know that he was prophesying that to the future. He was prophesying what was to come. You know, a lot of times, I've said this before, if we don't realize what God has saved us from, we can't really appreciate our salvation. Sometimes we need to get a glimpse of what hell looks like to be able to appreciate how amazing heaven will be. Sometimes we need to look at, uh, maybe get a glimpse of how, how ugly a country could be, how bad it could be. You think, oh, we, our country's got this. Now. Let me tell you something. Go to another country, like I said this morning, that doesn't allow you to have your Christian faith. 52 countries in the world today do not allow the Bible to be read. 52 countries, the Bible is illegal in their countries. We need to understand how blessed we are. Jesus is basically saying here, you don't know how blessed you are. He says, you, you, there's a time coming that's worse than this. How many understand that? Now, I'm not saying that in a doom and gloom thing. I'm just trying to tell you that, that, that there's a future to, for the world. Brian said that at the prayer time, Jeremiah 29, 11. There's a future that God has for us, and it's a good future. It's a future of hope, and it's a future of, of, of peace, and it's a future of love. And there's also a future that we can choose that's not with God. How many know we have a choice this morning? And that choice has been given to us. Free will is the greatest God, gift God ever gave us. That he said, I'm going to come down, I'm going to make a plan, and I'm going to let you choose what you want to do. And how many know lots of people are choosing today? Lots of people are choosing what they want to be, choosing what they want to do, choosing how they want to live, and it doesn't line up with the word of God, and that's a problem. So there's a future coming. There's a judgment coming. So that's what Jesus was talking about here. Let's continue to read. Verse 32. So there are also two criminals led with him to be put to death. And verse 33, when they had come to the place called Calvary, I want you to shout out the word Calvary this morning. Amen. How many are thankful for Calvary this morning? You might not even know what that is. You better be thankful for Calvary this morning. That's the place Jesus died for us. <clears throat> and there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. And watch this. Jesus said, Father, 
forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. That's also prophecy fulfilled. One of the hundreds of prophecies that were fulfilled about Jesus' life. That's from the book of Psalms. And the people stood looking on, verse 35, but even the rulers with them sneered, saying, he saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine, and saying, if you are the king, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Isn't that a picture of the world we live in today? Save yourself. We live in a selfish world. Everybody said, I got to worry about myself. That's what they, save yourself, Jesus. If you're the king, save yourself. How many are thankful Jesus didn't save himself? Amen. And an inscription was written over him in the letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. Now pay attention here. Then one of the criminals who were hanged, blasphemed him, saying, if you, here we go again for the fourth time, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answered, saying, and rebuked him, do you not even fear God, seeing that you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. This is a picture right here of the gospel. The greatest picture probably there is in the New Testament of the gospel. It's the choice I just told you about. We all have a choice to choose. Do you choose life or do you choose death? All the way back to Deuteronomy and Exodus, God said, I lay before you today life and death. You know, a lot of people say, I just don't have a choice. You have a choice. He says, I lay before you life and death. And he says, choose life. Life is Jesus. Amen. These two criminals were on the cross. I've mentioned this before. In the Gospels, you'll see in another Gospel that at this moment we see this this thief coming around. The light bulb has come on in his spirit. He has suddenly realized, I am a sinner and I deserve to be here. This man does not. He's having his moment of salvation. But what we don't remember sometimes is that in other Gospels, not that it was a different story, it was a different angle, the other Gospels mention both of the criminals mocking him. A lot of people don't know that. At one point, both of the criminals were mocking Jesus. We've always kind of had our, in our minds that one was good and one was bad, one was wrong and one was right. It's a perfect picture of us. We have that choice. And at one moment, both of them were mocking and saying, you, you healed the blind. You raised the dead. If you're really who you say you are, get yourself off this cross. Prove it to us. They didn't understand what God was doing on that cross. And they mocked him and they made fun of him. And the Bible says and teaches us in this gospel that all of a sudden, the Spirit was dealing with both of them. I want to show you that the Spirit was dealing with both of them. Notice this criminal in 39 that blasphemes this criminal, or blasphemes Jesus, and says, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. He is proclaiming that there's salvation in him. Are you seeing that? So he believes, he has, he has a belief, he says he's, he is saying if, but he's saying if you can save us. If he didn't have any kind of Holy Spirit dealing with him, he would have just mocked him, period. But if you're the Christ, save us and yourself, save me. But he does it in a way a lot of people do it today, because I was thinking about this. You know when you think about enlisting in the army of God, 
It's just like people who enlist in the army today or the armed forces for many, for many years. And it's kind of gotten this way more and more probably as time has gone on. I think back in the day, I didn't live that time, but back in the day when things were simpler, they understood that they loved their country and they, they needed to, to protect it. And so a lot of people enlisted into the armed forces to protect their country with no promise of benefits. Amen. Today, we have a lot of people who enlist because they want benefits. They don't, really, they don't really ever plan on going to war. And I'm not saying anybody in their right mind would probably be like, hey, I want to enlist so I can go die in the war. That's not the point. The point is people don't enlist because they love their country. They enlist because they want some benefits. Are you all following me? Does that sound like that could possibly be a way a Christian would be? I don't enlist in the army of God because I love God or I'm thankful that he died on the cross for my sins. I enlist because that getting out of hell sounds pretty good. Amen. Y'all are quiet on me this morning. That's the truth. And so we enlist into God's army. And like I mentioned Wednesday night, Jesus tells us right up front, listen, I got some amazing benefits for you, but you're not going to get them on this earth. They're eternal. And you're going to have to sacrifice some things. You're going to have to pay a price. You're going to have to be committed to my cause just as I was committed to you. And so we see these thieves doing this, this battle. And finally one comes around and he says, this guy's done nothing wrong. Now let's pick it up in 42. And he says, then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. So he puts his faith in Christ. And how many know these are some of the best words in the Bible? And Jesus said unto him, assuredly. I like that word for sure. Definitely. Without a doubt. You can take it to the bank. I'm, this is going to happen. He says, today you will be with me in paradise. Today. Amen. That's the gospel right there. And so this man, we know he gets saved. So are you committed to the cause? Are you committed to changing the course of the future? Are you willing to sacrifice and serve? As I break down these three for just a few minutes, if you'll give me a few minutes here, as I break these down, I want to read a story, a true story, uh, of, our, of, our, of our army, our armed forces, in, in about 150 years ago. And here's the story. It was called the Palm Pile. Palmyra Massacre. We had someone in the first service who was very familiar with Missouri and knew all these places. Um, I have not been to Missouri, so I'm not familiar with these. But on September 12, 1862, the Confederate Army Colonel Joseph Porter decided to raid Palmyra, Missouri and release the 45 Confederate prisoners who had been captured and placed in a county jail. He picked a time when most of the Union forces were off on a wild goose chase at Monticello. Colonel Porter and about 400 men slipped into the town. Now, right before I keep reading, you know, it's kind of funny. When we did the video this morning, that was a really awesome video, video, like visual. It was really cool. I mean, there were some really cool pictures, and it was like HD and really neat. And for some reason, it decided not to play, which is fine because it's good for this story. You know, when we listen to a story, when I start reading a story, don't start thinking about the brisket that's back there in the lunch. Amen. Don't start thinking about the bills you got to pay tomorrow. Try to like go back to your check. Cause I know today we don't have much of that anymore because everything's visual, but let's try to imagine this. Okay. Y'all with me? So when you actually hear something, you have to kind of like use your imagination. So these 400 men slipped into this town. They captured several prisoners and among them was a 60 year old man named Andrew Alsman, a union sympathizer who had the reputation of betraying his Confederate neighbors to the militia. 
He was much disliked by the Confederates. As you listen to this story, you'll see a great correlation to the Bible. And after occupying the town for about two hours, he felt accomplished in his purpose, and the prisoners in the jail were freed, arms and supplies were confiscated, and some horses were taken before the rebel soldiers withdrew from the town. So that's part of the story. I'm going to continue it on. How many know the number one is Jesus is asking, are you committed to the cause? Are you committed to the cause? There is a cause this morning. Guess what the cause is? Can somebody shout out what the cause is? Us. We're the cause. Me and you are the cause. The reason Jesus, the Bible says the reason God came out of heaven was for us. So there was a cause. Jesus came for a reason. He did not come by accident. He came with a plan and he came with a cause. And today we are part of a cause. There's a lot of causes in the world. There's a lot of charities. There's a lot of things people can be involved in. Great for all those. But the greatest cause today is the cause that's trying to save human souls. And that's what the gospel does. Amen? Nudge somebody and say, wake up. This is good preaching. Now look at verse 37 in the, in the Bible with this story again. It's, we see this soldier saying, if, if, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Save yourself. We have a, we have a, a flesh this morning that wants us to think about us. We have a flesh this morning that wants us to worry about what we need and not what other people need. We have a flesh this morning that's battling us constantly and saying, give up on this whole thing, man. Jesus isn't coming. They've been saying that forever. Jesus doesn't heal. Jesus doesn't change. But does anybody in here know that's not the truth? Does anybody know Jesus heals? Does anybody know Jesus changes people? Does anybody know Jesus sets people free this morning? How many know we know that's not true? But there's an enemy who wants to lie to us, just like these thieves were lying to Jesus. Now, as I continue this story, I want you to remember that Jesus Christ was in a human body with human emotions. Okay? He was God in flesh, but he had emotions. He had, he had times where he got angry. He had times where he got sad. He, had time, he never sinned, the Bible says, but he got angry. He got sad. He had emotions. He had fears. Hard to imagine that our Lord and Savior would have fears. If you don't believe that our Lord and Savior had fears, go to the Garden of Gethsemane and picture when he's on his, on his knees praying to God and he says, Father, if we can do this another way, let's do it. He's beginning to see the pain he's going to have to go through. He's beginning to feel the pressure of all the things that are going to happen, all the sins that are going to be placed on his life. But then he says, not my will, but your will be done. So we see the emotions of Jesus. And so we need to understand as we read this story and these disciples are mocking him and saying, save yourself, we need to be thankful this morning that I was not Jesus and that you were not Jesus. Because if any of us were Jesus, we would not be saved this morning. Why? Because when they started mocking us, we'd have done a Bruce Almighty on them. Amen. We just started calling lightning down from heaven. We just started saying, consume them all. We did, we did tore off those things holding us on the cross, and we have got off and Judy, judo chopped everybody. Come on, somebody. What, right? You want me to show you who I am? Let me show you. I'm not going to save you, but I'm going to show you who I am. That's what all of us would have done. Thank God Jesus got past his emotions of anger. You don't think Jesus got anger? How about when he went into the temple and began to throw tables over? 
threw tables over, threw stuff on the ground, and said, this is not a place where, where we're going to have sales. This is a place of prayer. This is not a market house. This is a place of prayer. He's throwing tables over. He's getting mad. He had emotions. So he could have easily left the cause. Who was the cause? You and me. We were the cause. We were the reason that he was on that cross. So he had to remind himself, I'm here for a reason. Jesus was committed to that, to save the world through the cross. Just like our veterans in, in this day and age are, 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 are serving for a cause of freedom, for a cause of courage, for the cause of the love of their country. Christ was committed to a cause. I may ask you a question, how committed are you? How committed am I to the Lord and to his service and to what he wants God to do in our lives? Would you risk your life this morning? I'm not asking you to raise your hand. I'm asking you to answer these questions. How much of your energy do you give to the things of God? How much of your finances? How much of your time? How much of yourself? Listen to this. We honor, I thought this was powerful. We honor our veterans. We should honor our veterans. We should honor our veterans. Amen. But we worship our commander in chief. Amen. We should owe liberty owe our liberty to the veterans. We thank God that they've given us liberty, but we owe our eternal lives to Jesus. We salute the flag. We salute the flag because we're thankful for what it represents, but we kneel before the cross of Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. How many know the Bible says that? So the choice is, am I going to kneel before Jesus Christ and call him Lord while I'm alive, or am I going to do it once I'm, once I'm standing in front of him as my maker? Amen? That, that moment's going to come. i got to choose, and that's why the Bible says today is the day of his salvation. Today is the acceptable day. So as this story continues, on October 8th, Provost Marshall Strachman published a notice to the Confederate Colonel Porter that unless this man, Ousman, was returned within 10 days... Ten former Confederate soldiers, listen, ten former Confederate soldiers held as prisoners in Palmyra would be executed. The ten days elapsed. No, one reply, no reply was received. It was believed then that Andrew Osman was dead. On day ten, the Confederate prisoners already in custody were selected to pay with their lives. Listen to the names of the men were as follows, Willis Baker, Thomas Humston, Morgan Bixler, Herbert Hudson, John Wade, Marion Lair, Captain Thomas Sidner, Eliezer Lake, and William T. Humphrey. These soldiers, listen, were informed on a Friday night that unless this man was returned to his family by 1 o'clock the following day, they would all be executed by shot in the face in that hour. The Reverend James Green of this same city remained with them during the night as their spiritual advisor, endeavoring to prepare them for their sudden entrance into the presence of their maker. A little after 11 a.m. the next day, three government wagons drove to the jail. I was telling in the first service, if you don't know what a wagon looks like, just go outside of the service this morning in the front of the back. There's wagons all over the place. Kind of reminds you of those days. It's kind of neat. I was walking around the other day just kind of praying. I went over to the building over there, and there's a nice wagon. Good place to take pictures, by the way. Nice wagon. I thought, man, I can't believe they used to drive around in these things. They'll make you thankful for your car. And so they get these wagons come in, listen, carrying a total of 10 rough board coffins. 
This leads me to point number two. Jesus was dedicated to changing the course of the future. Jesus was dedicated to changing the course of the future. Do you realize this morning that your future was was hell? Do you realize that your destination was eternal life without God? Well, I don't really believe that, or I don't really agree with that, or I don't really think that's fair. No one asked you. Amen? No one asked me. The Bible tells us that was our destination. When you go all the way back to the sin life of Adam and Eve, God never intended uh, bloodshed. God never intended all these bad things to happen. He had a perfect plan. Adam and Eve messed up. They rebelled against God. And then Cain and Abel rebelled. And Cain got jealous of Abel. And he killed Cain or Abel. And that that blood was shed. And because that blood was shed, the Bible says that his blood cries out from the ground. And that's why sacrifice had to be made. That's why the Bible says without the the, the, um, shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. You know, when we look back at our history, we learn things of why things happen. How many know that's important to know our history? Whether it's our country or our family or most importantly, the Bible. And so Jesus was dedicated to changing the course of the future. He said, I cannot allow these people any longer to try to depend on their sacrifices. They're never going to make it. I've got to go down and pay this for them. And as you look at verse 42 and verse 43 of the scripture we were reading, this man says to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus changed the future of that man in an instant. In an instant. Think back to the day that God got a hold of you. Maybe you were here this morning and he hasn't gotten a hold of you yet, but he's talking to you. He's ministering to you. People have been, you, people have been inviting you. People have been praying for you. People have been speaking to you. Maybe today is your day to meet Jesus like this thief on the cross did. And the Bible says, he says, today you'll be with me. See, we, we, we might have a lot of time here. How many, how many, did anybody wake up this morning and say, I think I'll die today? I don't think anybody has that in your plans, right? I don't think that's probably in anybody's plans, probably not even this week, hopefully not this month, even this year. We're not thinking, hey, I think I'm going to die soon. This man on the cross didn't have much time. We think we have time. That's why the Bible tells us life's like a vapor. But this man on the cross knew he had no time. Every time he breathed, he knew he was one breath closer to dying. He's on the cross. He is being executed alive. It wasn't a, a gunshot to the head. He's, he's breathing. Every time he breathes, one less breath. And he's dying. And He's saying, man, I don't have much time. My future, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, before he got to that cross, pay attention, all before, he, before he got to that cross, he hadn't thought about his eternity. But now he's on this cross and he's dying. And all of a sudden he thinks, man, you know what? I'm about to pass into eternity. I don't know where I'm going to go. And, and then the Holy Spirit starts dealing with him. And then he realizes where he's going. And he says, man, I, now I do know where I'm going. And it's not going to be with this man. And he, maybe he started to feel the, the flames of fire. Maybe he started feeling the heat. And he said, man, my time is short. Jesus, can you, if, in, today when you go into your kingdom, can you please remember me? He didn't have time to get baptized. He didn't have time to go to church service. Didn't have time to confess his sins to anybody. He just said, Jesus, will you remember me today? That's the grace of God right there. Amen. That's the great. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't uh, recommend that to anybody. You don't wait till the last second. But that's the grace of God that this man called out on him. And he says, he says, I'm going to change your future right now. You, you need to ask yourself, what are you doing 
to change the course of your future and the future of other people around you? What are you doing to make a difference in people's lives? What are you doing to change eternity and souls and lives? What are you doing to affect other people's lives? That's the question for this church, for your own family, men and women. What are you doing for your own family to to, to raise them in the ways of God? What are you doing for the kingdom of God? What are you doing that's making an impact that will change lives? Think about how different our history of our nation could be if people wouldn't have laid their lives down. Think about how different it would have been if people wouldn't have came over from England and said, we're tired of being under this king and under this tyranny. We're going to go find a place where we can worship our God. All those decisions made. How about all the believers that have gone before us and gave their lives so that we can have the gospel today? How about all the people who have sacrificed that we'll never know them till we get to heaven? We don't know their names, but somebody paid a price for the gospel to be in the United States this morning. Somebody paid a price for the gospel to be in different countries. It started in Jerusalem, really far from here. Lots of boat rides away, but here we are with the gospel. It's kind of sometimes hard for us to grab, grasp that in our, in our Instagram, Facebook, instant video, YouTube minds. Kind of hard for us to grasp what it would be like to spend weeks on a boat. To really have to really sacrifice, to get on one of those wagons and be days going someplace. We're blessed today. We can have a, a better understanding. But all of a sudden, this man, he had a, he had a vision. He said, man, I'm about to meet my maker, and I need to make sure that I put my faith in the cross. Nothing can compare to what Jesus has done on the cross for us. You, don't need, to, you need to realize this morning, he saved you from eternal life without him. Amen? The story continues. These ten men were escorted from the prison and seated in these wagons. Now, just picture that this morning. You're, you're getting called not to go to eat, not to go to another place to live. You're getting called to go get in a wagon to be taken to your death. They're sitting on their own coffins. Can you imagine that? How about taking a ride on a wagon sitting on your coffin knowing you're going to die? A guard of soldiers is accompanying them, and they get to the grounds About a half a mile east of town, the ten coffins are removed from the wagons and they're placed six to eight feet apart. Thirty soldiers of the Union Army 2nd Missouri State Militia are drawn up in a single line facing the row of coffins, 30 men with guns. The arrangements are completed and the doomed men are knelt upon the grass between their coffins and the soldiers. While the Reverend Rhodes offers up a prayer, at the conclusion of this, each prisoner took his seat upon the foot of his coffin, facing the muskets which in a few moments were to launch them into eternity. A hundred spectators are gathered to witness the scene. The stillness of death pervades the place. The officer in command steps forward and gives the word, ready, Aim, fire. This leads me to the third one. Jesus was willing to pay the ultimate sacrifice. Jesus was standing face to face with the devil, armed to kill him. And and those temptations were there for him to come off that cross and not finish the race. But how many are thankful that as we look at verse 46, we have a Lord and Savior who finished the race. 
We have a Lord and Savior who went all the way for us. And it says, Father, as he cried out with a loud voice, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last breath. I want to remind you this morning, church, that just as people have laid their lives down for our country, Jesus willingly laid his life down for us. He was not killed. Nobody killed Jesus. The Bible says he gave his life as a ransom for many. He gave his life for us. Nobody took his life. You can't take life from God. God gave his life. So he said, I am willing to pay the ultimate price of sacrifice. You begin as I close to think of some of the things that Jesus did. Mark 10, 45 says, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Amen. Shouldn't we be reminded this morning of how we should serve each other? If Jesus, the Son of God, God himself, he said in Philippians, I don't even count myself as worthy to be exalted to that place. I I don't esteem myself as, as God. He said, I came to serve because if I don't come and serve and if I don't give my life, people are going to die and go into eternity without me. I don't think we, we stop enough and, and realize this, this morning, church, that Jesus could have failed. Jesus could have stopped. He could have gotten in the flesh and not said, it is finished. He, when he said those words, church, that is our salvation. When he breathed his last breath and said, Father, I commend this into your spirit, my life. I, I, it's finished. Those words saved our lives. Romans 5, 6 says, while we were still helpless, while we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. I am ungodly. You are ungodly. We are ungodly. We have become godly now because we've accepted him. But before that, we're, we're sinners. Romans 5.8 says God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Are you seeing the picture this morning? If you think about this picture, we're one of those ten soldiers. We deserve to die. We're one of those thieves on the, on the cross. We deserve death. We deserve what we're going to get. We don't, we don't deserve hope. We don't deserve life. We don't deserve eternity. And you might think, man, I'm not a bad person. Why do you always say that about me? Because you're born in sin. Whether you think you're a good person or not, see, that's the problem. We should be good people. We should be great people. We should be amazing people. We should be a great example of the Lord. But it doesn't matter how great we are, you're not good enough. You cannot raise up to the standard of God's holiness. So it doesn't matter how hard you try. Lots of religions around the world think they can be good enough to be loved by God. God loves you, but he can't accept you. You can't get to that place. And so we got to realize I am a sinner, and while I was a sinner, Christ died for me. The last verse, Romans 5.10, this is the crazy one. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more Having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Amen. We need to understand where we were going for us to understand where we're going now. We need to have a glimpse of what our eternity was going to be, what our future was going to be. That's why we've got to be constantly telling other people about the Lord, telling other people they can have the hope that we have, telling other people that if God changed me, he can change you. If he saved me, he can save you. 
and, and sharing the hope that we have. And, and Chris, if you'll put that last, the, the, sorry, the, the, the background back up, thinking about this again. God, greater love has no one than this. Watch this. As someone would lay down his life for his friends. See, I don't think there's a person in here this morning that wouldn't take a bullet for their, for their son or daughter. I don't think there's a person in here that, that wouldn't run out and push themselves in front of a car to, to save a child, a mother, a father, a brother, a sister, a friend, someone they love. How many of us would do that same thing for someone we don't know? How many of us go further, as the Bible says here in Romans 5.10, that we were enemies of him? How many of us would push ourselves in front of a train or a car or a bullet for someone we don't like? That's what Jesus did for us. That's what Jesus did. That's what the veterans and the people who've died for our country did. They didn't say, you know what, I think I'll lay my life down and, and only if everybody from now on is going to respect me and respect what I did for this country. They laid it down. Jesus did not lay his life down saying, I'll do this if everybody accepts me. Do you realize when Jesus died on the cross, he knew so many people would reject him, yet he still died for us? That's love. That's love. Greater love has no one to lay down their life for their friends. But I say greater love, even greater to a place you can't even comprehend, is that someone would die for someone that is their enemy. The story finishes that one of the ten men originally on the list of prisoners to be executed gets a last-minute reprieve. So picture this again. We are at this place, and I am sitting on my coffin there are 30 militiamen with their guns ready, aim, fire, ready to shoot me. And all of a sudden, someone says, Mr. Humphrey, come with us. And the guy probably, you know, his eyes are closed. He's ready to be shot. He probably thought he was already in heaven when he heard Mr. Humphrey. Because how many know we're going to hear our name called? We're going to hear our name called. And our name needs to be in the book. Mr. Humphrey... Yes, come with me. He gets up, and they take him out of the ten. And a man named Hiram Smith walks in. Hiram Smith had heard that Mr. Humphrey was on the list. I don't know the relationship between them, but all he knew, Hiram Smith was, is that Humphrey had family. He had a wife and kids. He said, I have no wife, and I have no kids. I'm going to take his place in the line. And that man came in and sat down for Mr. Humphrey. And I'd like to tell you the story ended a different way, but all 10 of those men were executed. And one of them was Hiram Smith, who took the place of Mr. Humphrey. It's exactly what Jesus did for us. Jesus came in and sat down and said, I'm, I'm going to take his place. I'm going to take her place. You don't have to die. And, and there's nothing that Mr. Humphrey could have done to deserve that. He, he, didn't, he didn't do anything except accept it. And he walked out of there free. And today there's a memorial in Mount Pleasant Church in the town of Mount Salem with a stone erected that says, listen, this monument is dedicated to the memory of Hiram Smith. The hero who sleeps beneath the sod here was shot in Palmyra, October 17th, 1862 as a substitute 
for William T. Humphrey, my father. What a miracle. What a miracle. And that's just one example probably of thousands, maybe millions of lives that were, how about all those unknown soldiers? People who died and they don't even know their names. They don't have it. They don't have a. They don't have a. Their name there. Just people who 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 served but were never remembered. You know what's so awesome about serving God? Everything we do is going to be remembered. Everything we do is going to be written down. That's why it's so important that we think about these three things this morning. Am I committed to this cause? Am I committed to changing the future? You know, if you just say, Lord, help me change the future of one person. Just one, please. That should be a goal. I hope that your goals are bigger than that, but that you'd make your goal at least. Lord, let me get to heaven and take one person with me. Let there be one person in heaven that makes heaven. Wouldn't your whole life be worth one person? Wouldn't it? Of course it would. Some people think, man, I, you know why people sometimes never do anything for God? Because they, they're trying to do the big without doing the little. Do something small first. Start with a small goal. Lord, help me reach one person. It starts with your family. It starts with the people around you. It starts with your neighbors. Let me reach one person, God, for your glory. Let me, let me have this cause that I could sacrifice and serve one person. And that's why John 3.16 makes so much sense today. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever would believe in him. That's, that's, that's the gospel. Whosoever would believe would not perish but an everlasting life. Father, I thank you this morning for your ultimate sacrifice. I thank you this morning, God, that you went all the way as I honor, Lord, today and thank God for people who served our country to give me freedom. Even to give people freedom, Lord, who burn flags, who don't appreciate it, who don't appreciate our nation, who don't appreciate our freedom. Lord, you, you, they gave their lives for those people to have that right. And you gave us the liberty this morning and the free will to have the right to accept you or to reject you. Lord, I pray today that every person in this place would choose life. Every person in this place would be willing to sacrifice their lives for somebody else. Is that man, Hiram Smith, he, I don't know anything about his spirituality, Lord. All I know is he did a great example of what you did on the cross for us as you took our place. I deserve that. I should have died. I should, I should be lost today. I should already be in hell. I don't deserve salvation. But I thank you and I honor you for saving me. And I want to live my life in a way that glorifies you. I want to live a life that honors you, Father. Today in this place, as you're listening to the sound of the voice of the Holy Spirit and he's speaking to you, how many in this place could say, you know what? I am not sure where I would go if today was my day to pass into eternity. No one woke up thinking, I'm, I'm going to die today. Today's my last day. Nobody wakes up like that. But you don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't know what your future holds. You don't know when your last breath is going to be breathed. The Bible says life's a vapor. It's here one moment, gone the next. 
How many would be honest with God this morning and say, you know what, if I, if I breathe my last breath now, I don't know for sure what I would say to God when I stand. Because listen, we're all going to stand before God. The lights aren't going to go out. It's not going to be over. We're all going to stand before God. We're either going to stand before Him as a Savior or we're going to stand before Him as a judge. You don't want to stand before God as a judge. You'll have no defense. You'll be guilty. I'll be guilty. Our defense this morning is the blood of Jesus. The sacrifice He paid on the cross for our sins. How many this morning would be honest and say, Pastor, I've, I've never said the sinner's prayer. I've never accepted Christ. I've never allowed Jesus to come in and be Lord of my life. I, I believe today is the day of my salvation. Would you just lift your hand and put it back down and say, pray for me today. That's me. I'm not saved. I don't know where I'd spend eternity. I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen to me. I want to know. Maybe you said that prayer at some point in your life. But where are you at today? Are you in the race? Have you, have you gone back the other way? Have you, have you left the cause? Are you angry at God? Are you bitter at God? Are you frustrated with God? Are you doing things that don't line up with God's word? Are you in a place where God is, would not be pleased with you because you're in disobedience? Today you can say, Lord, I'm going to get things right. I'm going to put things in order. I'm going to make sure my heart's right with God. If you're here and that's you, let the Holy Spirit deal with you this morning as we pray in a few minutes. Let, let the Holy Spirit convict you and show you, what, where am I lacking? Now, now, if you're saved and you believe and you love God and you're here and you're saying, man, I'm part of the soldiers, army, army of the Lord, I'm a soldier. The question is, how committed am I into this cause? Am I willing to sacrifice this morning so that I can make a change in the future of somebody's life? Heaven's going to be awesome. Heaven's going to be a time of rejoicing. But let's take some people there with us. Let's get some people to heaven with us. Let's make a difference. Let's honor today that sacrifice with our lives. What can I do today? You can honor his sacrifice. You can thank God for his sacrifice. You can respect it and do something about it. And tell others, Jesus saved me. He can save you today. Let's stand to our feet this morning as we close. I want to just take a few minutes to have some time at the altar and just talk to God this morning. We're going to sing a song, a beautiful song that's got some beautiful words. There's plenty of room here at the altar. You can kneel at your chair. You can pray wherever. But this is a, the end of the services. We're all involved, whether we're down here at the altar or at our chair. We're, we're praying now to reflect on what the Holy Spirit has spoken to us through this message. And we're saying, Lord, now I want to answer these questions. Am I committed to this cause? Am I willing to sacrifice? Am I, am I willing to change the future of somebody? So as we sing this song, there's plenty of room here. There's plenty of just find a place to chair wherever you do it. But don't, don't be a spectator this morning. Talk to the Lord. Talk to the Lord and, 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 and thank God for what he's done this morning.